welcome to the Advance Your Art podcast, where we talk about the journey from artist to entrepreneur and everything in between. You've worked hard to hone your craft. Now take it to the next level with tips, techniques, strategies, and routines used by successful artists to grow their businesses and careers. Now, let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Welcome to another episode of Advance Your Art with Yuri Cataldo. If you're interested in learning how to build a company, make money from your art, or transition to another career, you've come to the right place. Uh, if you like this episode, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Today, I'm chatting with Sherry Ame. Uh, she's a digital transformational leader, humanitarian writer, global speaker, who's exploring the intersection between advanced technology and humanity. Um, she does a lot, and I'm very excited to have her here today. Sherry, how are you? I am so good, Yuri. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for this. I know <laughs> it's been a long time coming, but I'm here. <laughs> it so has, but you. better late than ever. I, I really appreciate it. Um, so, you know, as with most of my guests, there's a, there's a, a giant elephant in the room of COVID. So how how are things where you are, and and how has how have things been changing recently? So where I I'm in New York, think outside the city. So it's really um, hasn't really impacted my life too much. I already work from home. Um, and I have been for the past oh gosh, 10 years. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so my life hasn't hasn't altered that much other than, you know, we just have to make sure that, you know, when we go grocery shopping, we always tend to buy a little bit more. Um, and then, of course, you got to like, you know, make sure you get your toilet paper. <laughs> right. But right. Um, yeah, other than that, I, I've been doing pretty great. Like everything is kind of business as usual for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Good. So for my listeners who are not familiar with, with what you do, how do you describe yourself and what you do? <sighs> that's a good question. Um, you know, I really just describe myself. I do so many things. Very um, like exactly how you introduced me. <laughs> I mean, I do so many different things, um, including um, I am a near-death survivor. So that's really kind of the overarching um, way to describe who I am in the world today. I am a near-death survivor that had an incredible um, spiritual awakening, like massive spiritual awakening 10 years ago when I was CEO of my, my own tech firm and I suffered cardiac arrest and um, flatlined right in my husband's arms. Wow. Um, I happened to be in the midst of the uh, emergency room when it happened. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so I had a whole team uh, ready to start doing, you know, CPR, um, chest compressions on me. And it didn't work and they were ready to call my time of death. And there was one doctor in that room that said, no, we are not losing her. And he ordered everybody in the emergency room to continue with uh, chest compressions. And um, he was able to install over a period of about an hour and a half, he was able to install life support that at least at the minimum gave oxygen to the rest of my organs. So at that mm -hmm. point, they didn't really know if I was brain dead or not. Yeah. Um, 
And the reason I share that is because I've been in tech for over 20 years. Um, I have a wide range of working for engineering firms, um, tech startups, um, advertising, um, also just corporations, like all types of businesses. So I have a really wide range of knowledge that goes from programming, which is how I started, mm-hmm. to project management, to eventually being my own CEO of my own company. And this near-death awakening, this near-death experience, which basically just means that when I flatlined, when I had cardiac arrest and they couldn't resuscitate me, and I had no heartbeat for over an hour and a half, I drifted off into this whole other realm and had what medical researchers um, have coined as a near-death experience, meaning I had some type of medical event that stopped my heart. And in that time, I experienced something that other people around the world that have had a similar event have experienced and we tend to, we call that the near-death experience and a lot of stuff happened to me uh, on in that time you know that was not of this earthly realm and so when i describe like the spiritual awakening that's what it was it was it was kind of this review of my whole life um not just in tech but like what was I doing on like a soul level with my life? You know, who was I surrounded by? What were some of the challenges that were just constantly repeating in my life? And, um, and so that awakening in itself then allowed me to kind of open up and explore more avenues of who I am as a person. And so it took me several years to recover, but when I came back, I came back with a vengeance (laughs) and I built this brand online that really can talk about a whole bunch of things, anywhere from how to build a brand online using social media to, you know, it it took me into the world of blockchain. So I'm sure that's probably how you even found me um, was through just so much work of working with tech startups and um, raising $30 million in like two weeks and, and just doing like really amazing things like that. And then eventually going into learning more about data ethics. Um, um, so when people say like, how do you describe you? I mean, I, I kind of, I joke around that I'm kind of like this corporate mystic, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm just like this, this multi-skilled creative person that likes to jump in and out of different industries, bringing value wherever I go, but also bringing this really powerful perspective and wisdom um, from this powerful journey that I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I actually, uh, I, I want to ask you a little bit about your, let's say your, your first company, but before I do mm-hmm. this, because you just hit on something that's interesting, the your ability to kind of weave in and out of different areas and technologies, and is I think particularly um, crucial today. You know, with so many people whose positions have been eliminated because of of COVID, and and who knows how the world is evolving after that. Mm. What were you say have been some or how some some techniques that you've used to be able to, let's say, weave in and out of so many different areas so seamlessly? 
Yeah. Um, I, I do a lot of, um, you know, it's so normal for me. So I kind of feel like everybody does this, but then I realize I'm like, no, I don't think everybody does this, but I will have this ability. Like, let's just say, for example, with let's take blockchain, right? So here I am, I'm teaching about branding. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, I have this friend growing this, um, blockchain startup and, and, the way I am is I'm just really curious. And I think it's my curiosity that has just always allowed me to excel in anything I do. And so that curiosity, what that looks like is it's like, Hey, you know, what's that blockchain thing you're doing? Like, can you tell me a little bit about that? You know, and then someone fills me in a little bit and that, and then there's something in there that they share with me that I'm like, Oh, whoa that's huge. And usually that link has some, and this is like something I've come to learn about myself. Usually the link that gets me really excited and passionate um, about anything is it's linked to like some type of humanitarian cause. Mm. So for example, like with blockchain, you know, you'll hear about like specifically I was in blockchain um, for supply chain logistics. And for me, that meant, um, you know, bringing accountability, you know, transparency and responsibility to um, a very antiquated industry that is just like, it's just got so much um, inconsistencies, like no accountability. I mean, it, it, it's amazing goods get actually shipped around the world. I mean, that's the best way I can describe it. You know, it's just, it's really just like this hodgepodge of um, parts, you know, done in pen and uh, uh, pencil and paper, mm -hmm. other parts done in, in these, you know, t technology systems that don't really communicate with, with this shipper's technology system. So it, it really is amazing things get shipped and get shipped on time, but that's obviously not always the case. And so that, that, that moment where someone says to me, okay, here's blockchain and it sounds really complicated. But then when they say, sure, you know how when lettuce, um, all of a sudden there's like this salmonella breakout in lettuce and like your organic lettuce. And there's this whole panic that we don't know where the original source of that let like where did the lettuce come from that originated this salmonella you know um uh you know eruption whatever you call it <laughs> and um and so blockchain is one of those things where you can actually track and trace um where a, like that different lines of foods originally originated from even from like the farm, like the original farm that it came from. And so it's usually when I, I get curious and I ask a lot of questions, then I start saying, wow, like I'm a visionary, right? <laughs> so I go, wow, can you imagine if we could fix the entire supply chain and imagine like us all knowing where our food comes from and, and knowing where uh, that our organic food actually is organic and to have that proof so it's kind of like this thing happens to me where like all of my passions kind of come together and they just make so much sense mm -hmm. right but i don't 
that's what I've come to learn is that's, that's who I am. Right. So that's my personality. So that curiosity has always been in me since I was a little kid. And then the curiosity is what will make me stay up to like 4am researching everything I can about blockchain. And that's what I did. And six months later, I was like the top of every blockchain list. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's so hard for me because so much of my success believe it or not, you know, which is like the total opposite of what you hear in business, but so much of my success is driven by passion. I'm just a really passionate person. <laughs> like, can you tell, you yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like tomorrow, if you were like, Sherry, would you like to go to NASA and like learn all this stuff about space? I, I am the person that would jump on that plane and be like, I'm pivoting my brand. I'm about to learn all about, you know, NASA, astronauts, you know, what it takes to get to space. And, you know, that's my thing. Like, you know, and it's really not anything more complicated than that. Like, I would love to be able to sit here and say to you, oh, well, you know, I mapped out this 10-year plan. <laughs> you know, like, it's really not that. And I think um, we underestimate the, um, and mind you, a a skill like this is actually often looked down upon, mm -hmm. right? But you made a really great point in saying, look, like our whole world just flipped, literally the global world just flipped upside down. And now we have to be really flexible, right? Because there's so much uncertainty in the world that we don't know what tomorrow looks like. And so you really do need to be able to be able to turn on a dime. And, and flow with um, the, these uncertain paths of even these companies don't know what, what's happening, you know, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So what oftentimes I've found in my areas of success, you know, and what that means to me is that um, when I do what's not normal, I succeed. Like hands down. How do you, I guess, how do you define what's not normal in this case? Usually what everyone else is doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those people. <laughs> <Gotcha>. <laughs> All right. Well, so let's, let's just go back a, a couple of steps to your, your earlier days. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm curious on how you went from a bachelor's degree in history <laughs> to your early days interest in tech? Like how did that yeah. journey start? Yeah, it, it was actually an accident again. Um, and, and it's really, it, it, it's all me getting curious. So my history major was, again, I, I was like, here I am at a liberal arts. I went to Wesleyan University and it's like, okay, what's going to be our major? I mean, like English, history, you know, like you just pick one, government, like, you know, it, it's, it was so just, you know, it's liberal arts. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I just picked something that I loved and I lo always loved reading about history. And so I actually, um, my major was history, European imperialism, um, and the third world. Well, that's what we said back then, but probably better to say now in the developing world. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
So that was just my major because that's what I, I was like, okay, well, I, I can't not do well in history because I'm so fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. So I was a history major and then I came out and I was like, well, everybody I went to school with was going into um, like banking, right? And like, that was the thing. You were either like, I'm trying to think what the two things were. You were either going to be like a lawyer or a banker, invest, like investment banker. That's what it was when I graduated. So I, I think I started following this path of like investment banking. I don't know. At some point, I ended up working for AIG on the trading floor. <laughs> I was just like, this is insanity. Um, but, you know, I, I, when I graduated, um, the economy was booming. So I really, as long as you went to a good school, you could like literally get any job you wanted. And so I, I kind of used those years after college to explore, you know, I, I already way before I graduated college, I already had corporate experience because um, I used to always work at my mom's corporations, like just for side income when I was in high school. So by the time I graduated college, I was like done with corporate <laughs> Um, and everyone's like, you're so young. I'm like, no, I, I already know I'm done with it. But, you know, I kind of listened to the voices around me. And so I did like the corporate thing for a while. And then it just always, I, I never found myself happy. And okay. I realized it had to do a lot with that. I just have this creative, um, these juice creative juices in me and I always have to be doing something that's creative you know Mm -hmm. and um and so I was always an artist and um that was just my thing my whole life was just art Mm -hmm. and um my brother was computer and so I started to say okay well maybe I'll just do art like online like get into graphic design and so I started doing that and then I just happened to stumble upon programming and the minute I found programming, I just dropped graphic design and I became a programmer. So it, it was just something that um, programming came extremely, extremely natural to me. It felt like speaking another language. It just flowed. And I loved having my own thing to do every day. Mm-hmm that was like nobody else really understood what I did all day. Right. Except unless you were a programmer. Right. So I, I, so again, I think it's like that inner rebel. In me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's how I stumbled into technology. And then I just, um, I loved it so much. I, you know, and I was in it for 10 years until, you know, long enough that I ended up starting my own firm. And then, the only reason I stopped being in tech was because of the cardiac arrest. And I ended up having about seven years of a recovery after that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, okay. So, so after your, your event and and through the recovery, where was it, I guess, or when was it? um, And I know you, you described it briefly when you were talking about, um, you know, during your event, but During that time, why did you decide that being in tech wasn't what you wanted to do anymore and that you wanted to move and evolve into something else? It wasn't a choice. It was a devastation. Um, That was the hardest thing. I 
my, what happened to me, um, I ended up spending four months in the hospital on life support. Like it was unknown if I would survive. So that's how dire my situation was. Um, by the time I came out, I, I was in complete heart failure. Um, so my heart still never kind of started beating again. And so to come home, I was allowed to come home for five years to rest and recover on a bionic heart. It was a device that sat, um, it was a device that was installed in me and had external parts. Hmm. So I was one of a few thousand pioneer patients in the world to have it at that point. Um, and I would have to plug myself into a wall at night, like, Literally, the device implanted in me had to be plugged into a wall, and I would be on a leash um, that was like, I'm trying to remember, I think like six feet long. Mm -hmm. So I was attached to the wall at night um, on life support. Um, yet it was it was um, portable, so I was able mm -hmm. to be home, and I rested for five years until I. Uh, ultimately received a heart transplant. So that's where all that time went. Okay. And so what happens is when you're in the hospital that long and you have that many open heart surgeries and all the stuff that I had, um, you, your muscles atrophy. So mm -hmm. I, my recovery was so long because, um, you know, first I had all these open heart surgeries from when I crossed over and then I ended up having five years later, the open heart surgery to have a heart transplant. And both times I, my muscles atrophied and I lost the ability to walk, um, feed myself, everything. So you're talking in a very short period of time, five years, I lost the ability to walk and be independent twice. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I disappeared Yeah. and the disability and the pain I was in and the inability to sit, the inability to hold up my upper body, there was no way I could ever sit at a, a computer and number one, program again. Mm -hmm. But even, even, and I had clearly lost my business by then. It was so many years. Yeah. So I had, I had to shut down my business. And to even think about starting it up again, how can you? Like, I'm still, I'm still in survival mode. Mm -hmm. You know, like not from like a simple little cold or like knee surgery. I'm in survival mode from dying. And, um, and so, yeah, it, uh, it wasn't a choice. It was actually a very, very emotional thing. I had to say goodbye to my tech career. And so when I said that I got into branding, the only reason that happened was because by the time I started healing a little bit, because I was immobile, I just used live video streaming to tell my story. Hmm. And I never knew if I would ever walk again. I never knew if I would ever work again, make my own money again, ever be independent. Would I ever feed myself again? I had mm -hmm. no idea. Like, like talk about uncertainty. I, I had no certainty in my near future. Okay. And, um, and so that's kind of, that's how that happened. That's how I ended up sharing my story, getting noticed and getting interviews after interviews after interviews. And then 
my, my, just naturally my brand, which was me Mm -hmm. started to take off. And then people said, how can I do that? Hmm. So that's how I got into teaching branding for a little bit. Gotcha. That's a, it's a very interesting evolution. Yeah. (laughs) So how with your, you know, unique, um, interesting story, how do you approach fear or talk about fear? Because there are, you know, times in your life that you've already kind of mentioned where, you know, you were un- unclear whether or not you'd be even around the next day or, you know, even able to walk again or multiple things. Mm-hmm. And I-, I can't even imagine what was going through your mind. But the times when you were feeling fearful or apprehensive or, you know, any of those negative types of things that I guess the negative talk, how did you overcome that and, and, move, you know, move on past that? Yeah. Um, that, that was a journey in itself, right? So that's that, that is that, um, journey of, um, the best way you can describe it is the, the shattering of your entire identity, Mm -hmm. who you once knew yourself to be. Right. So we all have this identity. We all walk around, you know, you have your job, you have skills, you have um, certain things that people come to you, right. And identify you with um, your podcast host. Right. So we have all these identities Mm -hmm. and that's how we relate in the world to people. Right. Mm -hmm. So what happens when all of that, gets wiped away. Um, And a lot of people are experiencing this right now in the midst Mm -hmm. of the pandemic, right? It's their world being flipped upside down. And that's what happened to me. And the only way to overcome something like that, where your whole identity is shattered, like you don't even know you are anymore Mm -hmm. the only way is to get quiet to go within and to do really hardcore deep um inner soul work that i call it it's really having to strip yourself down to the basics of without everything in my life without my material aspects without my family, without the car, without the money, who am I? Mm -hmm. And that's a question that, that's a very metaphysical question that leads you on your own spiritual journey that is not really talked about, right? In the corporate space or in business, but yet it's so essential. And most people that have achieved some level of success know that personal development is a big part of attaining success Mm -hmm. and and expansion. Like you, if you don't, if you can't face up with yourself, it will be very hard to succeed in the world because the more success you have, the more of a mirror the world is going to put in your face. Some of your deepest, darkest fears, like they will come out of the shadow 
And it's very similar when you, you lose something that you identify with. So maybe you just got divorced or maybe you were a CEO and now you lost that job, the company closed and, and, and there's no other CEO positions that, that are opening. And now you've got to actually make a decision and say, am I going to go work at McDonald's so I can continue to put food on my table? Mm-hmm. Right? Like these are all these uncertainties, but even though we know we just need to put food on the table, the fact that it's so difficult for us to think about going from a title of CEO to working at McDonald's, what is in between that gap? Like we have to be able to explore, well, what is it that's so embarrassing and so shameful about that? Like, what does that say about you? What, do, what are your biggest fears surrounding what people will think about you? Like these are those big um, mystical questions about life. Why am I here? Why do I exist? You know, and there is no way to overcome fear. You move through fear. You stare fear straight in the face and you look at that terror. And, you know, we often hear the, often hear the um, phrase like slay the dragon. Like that's what that means. You have to be able to look at your greatest fear in the face because once you look at it in the face and see it for what it is, you've already begun the process of dismantling um, the power that it has over you. And once you can dismantle that fear, that power that it has over you, that's how you end up embracing it, embracing the fear and doing it afraid, moving through and finding your power, finding the light through the dark. And in that process is where the magic is because when you can dare to dive deep and go through that fear, through that uncertainty, through the pain, um, you will come out the other side more empowered and more whole in who you are and what your purpose is on this planet. Mm. It's really powerful. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. And uh, I, I, I also like that you brought up that a lot of people are going through something like this right now. Um, I know in my own personal life, I went through something similar to this. And during the last uh, economic downturn, when I, I went from being a someone who was working on Broadway to within a short time, you know, losing everything, going through divorce and then moving in with my parents and cleaning uh, offices at night um, just to help pay for things and then pivoted from there. But uh, But yeah, it's like there are times when all, you know, many of us have our identities rocked to the core. And so... I, I, I love hearing your story about how it's just, you know, you got to just keep going and pushing through that. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, and it's not easy. I never sugarcoat anything. <laughs> it's, it's not easy, but I feel like if I'm honest with you and I tell you it's not easy, then when it's hard, you'll be like, oh, this is what she was talking about. I just have to keep going. Right. right? 
were there in your own journey, were there particular, let's say, um, you know, philosophies, re religious teachings, books, um, you know, or, or people that you naturally gravitated toward that that helped you with your your own journey? Yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of us in the personal development field, I think it kind of like exploded on the scene at some point. Right. And mm -hmm. prior to that, it was like, there was like just Tony Robbins, <laughs> like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, or like, like other names that were, you know, just were probably a little bit more removed from them now. But um, that was Tony Robbins was like my first, um, I guess, dabble in personal development. And that was way before that was actually due to a breakup, <laughs> a breakup when I was like, you know, just out of college. Um, so that was like my first dive. Now, over the years, I've definitely gravitated more towards um, spiritual teaching. So I never had a religious upbringing. And um, I studied different religions kind of briefly mm -hmm. um enough that i naturally would take what resonated of different religions or philosophies like so that was my life it was like let me take the parts that resonated different times in my life you know they would show up maybe at some point it was some you know a, a book on buddhism that i would pick up and dive deep into and then maybe something else would happen and I would end up reading a book by Wayne Dyer, you know? So mm -hmm. along my journey, there's been lots of different people from, you know, I would definitely say, um, you know, going from Tony Robbins, it was then probably like the whole Louise Hay, Wayne Dyer, um, Carolyn Mace, um, Iana Van Zandt. Um, so, so many. And, but, and then a lot of it too was just starting to connect with some of my heritage. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of that didn't happen until more recently, but you know, in the early days, like right prior to my near death experience, I had already been exploring, you know, different Native American traditions. And I always felt like safe and, and I don't know, just, it, it felt like home to me. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of, it was kind of just me exploring the world and, and learning, you know, exploring different um, philosophies and, and, and books and things that are, were out there. Um, I would say more present. Um, I really finally, for the first time in my life, you know, which has taken several decades, but I finally, for the first time in my life, given myself permission to really say, you know, well, where, what is this lineage? What's this her heritage that I come from? Mm -hmm. And, and studying, well, how did they get through life? You know, and like, well, the world is so different now. And so how did they overcome things years, you know, thousands of years ago? And so again, that's where like, that my love of history, you know, kind of, kind of comes back in. Right. So, um, you know, I said in the beginning that I have like, I, that I joke around that I'm kind of like this, like, um, 
corporate mystic. And it's, it's really because I can go in and out of these environments, but there's this grounding place that everybody that ever interacts with me, no matter what industry, they always say, you know, Sherry, it's amazing. You could be talking about blockchain, you could be talking about data ethics, and you're always grounding us back into the humanity and the heart. Hmm. And that is like such a huge uh, honor that people see me. Like I'm not your usual person and, and you know, up there on, on conference stages and, and this and that, because I'm not all the way back in these business environments. I'm kind of just on the outside mm -hmm. meeting and connecting people and bringing value. Sometimes I'm added to like a board or advisory, but I'm always able to still stay grounded in my values and my virtues and what I, my highest vision for humanity um, you know, and so, yeah, that, I mean, that's just me. It, it's, it's, it's this combination of this huge journey into the afterlife and my near death experience, my fearlessness to be able, I mean, you need fearlessness just to just be like, okay, okay. Today I'm going to join supply chain logistics, Right. you know, like that there's a level of fearlessness in that. And that's because I've done so much of the work to rebuild who am I after this crisis, right? Like mm -hmm. who, who am I really? And, and it, it's, it, it's powerful. It's powerful work. And I uniquely work, you know, not just with businesses and startups and, and boards and, speaking, but I, I also work one-on-one -on -one with people from, you know, some of them top-level CEOs in, in huge companies. I own like huge companies. They will have sessions with me because everybody at the end of the day still wants to know, why are we here? <laughs> you know, and they're like, oh, she's a near-death survivor. Like, let's get on the phone with her. Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, there's this, there's this common theme of humanity that I think I'm just here to remind, I'm back here, let's say, to remind people, like, don't forget the humanity and all of it, you know, like, we've got AI, we've got blockchain, we've got, um, all, you know, all these emerging technologies right now, but let's not forget one another and let's not forget the humanity. Yeah, that's wonderful. I, I, and I think it's... A, I love that you kind of wove that together that, you know, we all, no matter where we are in life, many of us are asking the same kind of questions um, that are, I guess, fundamental to what it is to be human, which is great. Yes. So with everything that you have done and experienced so far, what would you say has been the best advice that you have ever received? Hmm. I would say the best advice is actually recent advice <laughs> that I've received. <laughs> and that's after years and years of trial and error and doing things and, and succeeding at some things, um, moving on from other things, having tragedies, you know, blow up my life. Uh, building a brand, getting seen on you know national TV, you know getting seen 
on media outlets globally. Where the best advice now is you really have to um, you really have to own who you are and you have to own that uniqueness because that is your power. That is my power. When people want to know how did I get on live TV after being bedridden, mm-hmm. it is because I've done so many interviews like this one right now where I have learned how to do interviews. I've learned how to talk. I've learned how to explain such a, a woo-woo type near-death experience and bring it to the practical, right? I've learned that but from practice, from getting out there, from being courageous. And there have been times where I have allowed the outer noise to tell me I was doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And in telling me that, I disappeared in certain levels for about a year and a half because I was so crushed. I was so crushed because I allowed an outer voice to say, there's no way you're doing this correctly because they can do it. And I, and, and yeah, you have to learn when you are in your power and when you are getting quote unquote success or, or just the ability to fearlessly stand your ground there's another piece to it that you need to do to protect that. And that is setting very strong boundaries. Mm-hmm. And it's boundaries, not so much to keep people out. It's boundaries to keep your, your essence in to prevent your essence from leaking out due to people poking holes, right? Because they want so badly to, to have what you have that they will poke holes and poke holes and poke holes so they can prove to themselves that you didn't do it right because they could not do what you did. And I had to learn, the. I had to let it, crush me purely crush me and in coming back the advice was you see your power now sharing you see what you've been able to do all these years after after dying Mm -hmm. you see that you were able to get back on your feet time and time and time again You see how you are moving through this pandemic with grace, knowing you have a heart transplant, yet you are still showing up for others and you have this magic and you can never again allow anybody to take that away from you. 
And when I heard that, I got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah. Well, Sherry, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today and to share your story. This is incredibly powerful and and, uh, rewarding. Thank you so much. If the listeners would like to get a hold of you or read your writing or, or learn more about what you're working on these days, where are the best places they can go for that? Yes, they can go to my website, which is sherryame.com. That's C-H-E-R-I-E-A-I-M-E-E.com. Wonderful. I will put a link in the show notes so they can click right through. Thank you, Yuri. Again, thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Advance Your Art Podcast. If you liked this episode, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button so that every single time I release a new episode, it will go directly to you without even thinking about it. If you're interested in hearing older episodes, please go to AdvanceYourArt.com where you can find the catalog of everything I've done so far, as well as contact information and projects I'm working on. Thank you again, and have a great day.